Hello everyone and welcome to today's podcast. You might notice a slightly different voice at the end of this podcast and that is because I have taken over from Caitlin today and we're here to talk about placements. I'm very kindly joined by Emma Soden and I'm going to hand over to her to introduce herself and tell you a little bit about what she does at the university. Well thank you very much Sadie. So yes I'm Em and I am the placement and development manager for careers based in the um, careers department in the Carrington building and I look after all placements within the curriculum and I also manage the teams who support students to secure their placements and help them obtain their placements whatever size and length of placement they're doing as part of their degree. So you really see a variety of different students doing different things at the university? We absolutely do. So there's a range of placements. I think we're probably the most flexible um, offerer of placements within the curriculum. Yeah, so um, we've got placements at the university which are actually a mandatory part of your course. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing speech and language therapy or education or pharmacy and clinical practices in other areas such as psychology, Mm -hmm. you would have to do a placement because your placement would be a regulated part of your degree and you couldn't complete your degree yeah yeah. absolutely Um, but for the rest of the placement opportunities um, they're really optional so if you're coming into university on a three-year degree there are lots of placement options Mm -hmm. within your course that you could choose in years one two or three Mm -hmm. or a variety of years or you might come in on a four-year degree with a placement year and we're really flexible about students transferring on and off and choosing what's right for them yeah because ultimately it's hard to know when you sign up to that three-year degree or four-year degree yeah if that's really what you want to do if you think about what you might want to do in the future what you thought in first year versus your final year that inevitably is likely to change that's absolutely right yeah so I, I have some students on my course that started off with uh, like three year courses and decided to change by the way I study consumer behavior and marketing and I'm a final year student if if you didn't know that already which you probably didn't Um, (laughs) so I thought to start off with um, we would go back to basic back to basics and basically just um, further on to what you just said yeah so just to start off for anyone who doesn't know but has just clicked on this podcast because they're a bit intrigued What is a placement? Oh, so a placement is a part of experiential learning, really, that you would do as part of your degree. You're going to contextualise your learning in the workplace um, with a placement provider for a period of time where you're going to be kind of learning different things and developing professionally, personally, and really enhancing kind of your career aspirations and ambitions. Mm -hmm. Um, And you might be putting a lot of the things that you've learned at university into practice, as well as learning new things. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what a placement is. Okay, that's interesting to know. And another question, you hear a lot about placements. I know when I first started looking, there was a lot about placements and then the word internship. Yeah. What would you say is the difference between the two? Oh, yeah, so um, lots of people use those words interchangeably. Um, And so do placement providers and employers too. Okay. So I think it's all things to everyone. But at the University of Reading, we define a placement 
as being something that's in the curriculum and part of your course mm-hmm. and an internship as being something that you would do extracurricularly so that mm-hmm. could be a summer internship yeah. or a, a short internship that you might do in your own time mm-hmm. maybe during Easter or another vacation yeah. period um, yeah so that's the definition that we provide at Reading really to help get your head around it Okay, and on the topic of internships, Mm. if you're on a three-year course, which naturally wouldn't necessarily blend to a placement, but you think, oh, you're hearing a lot about internships and you're wondering if it's beneficial for you, how important is it for that student to look into internships? Uh, Yeah, it's vital. I think it's so important because getting experience during your um, degree, wherever you do it, it doesn't matter if it's part of the curriculum or outside of Mm -hmm. it, really the value that it brings to you as an individual is equal. Um, And I think internships, we, we run schemes at the university to support students, but of course, you can find an internship yourself outside of the university. We've got some really flexible schemes. We've got the Reading Internship Scheme Mm -hmm. that offers opportunities that are paid throughout the academic year now, not just limited to the summer. Oh, that's great. Which is really great. Um, Because, of course, employers want interns all year through. They don't want to just wait until you're free in the summer. In terms of, like, would it be down to the student to know whether they can manage their workload and this internship? Yes. So we've got a little rule at the university and actually this falls in line with um, regulations and monitoring Mm -hmm. around your rights to work Uh um, especially if you're an international student and what we say is also so you don't compromise your study that if you during term time you shouldn't really be doing any more than 20 hours a week and I think that falls in line with the campus jobs yeah it does exactly what I was going to say see we're all tied together which is really important and um, yes so that's the recommended sort mm-hmm. of time during term time. Vacation, it is completely up to you. Yeah, because I was going to say, if you're, I know that when you get to third year, there can be this sudden, oh my God, I've not got enough on my CV. Absolutely. I haven't done a placement. Yeah. I must do an internship. And whilst obviously it's great knowing that they do it term time, if you're a final year, I think it's really important to think ahead and think, mm. even if I'm doing 20 hours, is that going to be too much? Mm. Where is it that they want you to be located in? Yes. Those, I think, are really important things from a student perspective yeah. that if I were to put myself in those shoes, I think that I would, that would, maybe that's something I'd crumble at, do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. But I think definitely keeping in mind your Easter holiday or summer holiday, we have yeah. quite a few breaks where you could turn something around. Definitely, and, and do remember, I mean, you know, if you're a final year student and you haven't yet got any kind of... Uh, work experience in a, a, a way that you feel confident about mm-hmm. then you know you finish your exams relatively early yeah. compared to everyone else and that does give you the freedom yeah. to go and try yeah. things out um before you actually you know a few weeks later you'll graduate but yeah. you know it's never too late to do anything yeah. and it's never too early to do anything so you've got to do what's right for you mm-hmm um, kind of adding to that, what would you say uh, are the main benefits to a student who's done, let's say, a placement compared to someone who hasn't done a placement? So you learn so much more about yourself outside of the classroom. Mm-hmm. You learn about your ability to work in a team. 
Um, you learn about, you know, what you are at work and what you are, you know, within the context of a working environment. So you learn, you know, are you a creator? Are you a shaper? Are you a leader? Mm-hmm. Are you a bit of all of that? Mm-hmm. Um, do you enjoy attention to detail? Are you a project manager? You know, all those things come to life when you're at work mm-hmm. because, you know, you step into a role and you build that confidence um, in who you are that you don't necessarily do as much at university. Of course you do through group work and presentations yeah. and projects and things like that. But you're putting it into a real world work of work context. And I think that will help you decide whether the work experience sector that you've moved into is actually for you when you graduate Mm -hmm. so another thing that you can learn is everything you've thought about in terms of what you wanted to do say you decide they say actually that your career choices start when you're around seven years old did you know that i mean i think when i was seven i wanted to work in clark's because i thought that they would like i wonder where they disappeared to so i mean that says a lot about me but yeah or a waitress waitress. and i did become one so you know yeah dreams can come true everybody absolutely (laughs) so no the interesting thing is yeah they say our career choices start at very early age and that that um exploration that we do yeah. through part-time working and and through placements is absolutely vital and we learn about what we're interested in and our aspirations and whether that fits the actual labor market yeah okay. so a lot of young people are interested in sort of media sector mm-hmm. and music and sport and and those sorts of exciting things they have great exposure to mm-hmm. but as you kind of grow in in your experience you learn all about all these different things that you do and what you need to do to get there whether Mm -hmm. they be educationally professionally and experientially Mm -hmm. so all those things come together when you're doing a placement as well as making the connections as well so it's really like your first time to properly test those interests that you think you might have or strengths that you think you have and we have students actually who don't enjoy their experience yeah, that's what we'll get on to a little bit later yeah. with that I think oh well I'll leave that for them but that's just as important yeah, exactly I think it's all about the learning curve yeah. and the challenges yeah. necessarily making it more interesting yes okay so moving on to actually how to find a placement yeah. just a kind of basic question where would the average student start looking for their placement Okay, so the average student at the University of Reading, if there's such a thing, yeah, <laughs> we're all yeah there's unique. quite a variety, isn't there? Absolutely. So we do have um, my jobs online, which mm-hmm. everybody is enrolled on. What you would do is set your preferences to say what sectors you're interested in mm-hmm. and the types of areas. So, for example, we set it to year-long placements, internship length, long yep. summer, or graduate when you become when you graduate vacancies when you're looking for a graduate job so you would set it to the level you're interested in and also the sectors that you have an interest in Mm -hmm. and when vacancies come in you'll receive bulletins so it's a bit of a no-brainer to set that because you'll get regular alerts from organisations and employers that target the University yeah, of Reading. I was just going to say to that, I'll get on to what my placement experience was like shortly, but yeah. I know that part of the recruitment process, yes. 
we were thinking, okay, we want to reach out to X, Y, and Z university. Yeah. And we actually got in contact, I believe, with our careers team, who then put it on that bulletin. That's correct. To say, to, to showcase it to students. Yes, that's right. So My Jobs Online is a really rich ground of where you would be looking for an opportunity mm-hmm. in the first instance. But then there are really great, organizations out there like rate my placement yeah that's so useful that's fantastic and that's quite a kind of all-encompassing organization Mm -hmm. that has very broad spectrum opportunities but also very specific and again it's very similar to my jobs online in certain preferences um and then also you've got grad cracker which is really for your stem students who might be looking for more scientific opportunities Mm -hmm. you've got total jobs you've got there's so many of them yeah um, to get looking out there, monster jobs, indeed. You mm-hmm. know, there are so many um, different types of opportunities on there online. And of course, my my biggest sort of piece of advice is think about your top 10 companies that you're interested in and look at their you know careers pages to see Mm -hmm. what opportunities are there too Um, and LinkedIn oh LinkedIn is the best place I am such an advocate for LinkedIn as well if you haven't got a LinkedIn profile you need one make one one after this podcast it's really not as hard as you might think it would be and you don't have to have it as like an advanced level straight away. It can be something yeah, that you over your placement, you can develop it when you might have jobs that are on LinkedIn for your placement mm. and you can use that opportunity to just develop, follow people up from the organization. I'm such, I think I yes. should be an ambassador for them. <laughs> I'm um, sure they'd have you in a heartbeat. I mean, the good thing about LinkedIn, so I would, my piece of advice to any student is the amount of time you spend on Instagram yeah, or Snapchat or Facebook, um, or TikTok, any of those, <laughs> I can just all of those. Just think, right, for four weeks, I'm going to spend half the time building my LinkedIn, building my LinkedIn and get the app. Yeah. And it becomes quite addictive. It does, it really does. Especially when, I mean, you might have to start off following some people that I wouldn't say ever follow completely random people, but <laughs> you might, sometimes it might be a bit of a stretch when you're building your network. Like they go to University of Reading, they, they're in Henley Business School. Yeah. I don't know them, but I kind of know kind of that region. You might want to start doing that because you never know when you come back from your placement, you might network with that person. Yeah, yeah. But I definitely think I agree with that. I think just spending some time on it. It's an investment really worth considering. Yeah. Um, make sure you've got a really nice photo though. It doesn't have to be professional, but you're more likely to have your profile looked at. It's really good as well, not just for looking for opportunities. So if you follow the companies you're interested in mm-hmm. and the Reading Alumni Group, okay. you'll be able to see from your um, course, people who have graduated and the, the kind of roles they're into now. So what they're doing. Link LinkedIn also obviously follows, so you're you're on LinkedIn and it stays with you wherever you move on to, so you're able to keep in touch with people and see where their career trajectory goes. And what I would do is I would look at the LinkedIn profile of say um, a grad from your course and look at the skills mm-hmm. and and you know you you'll have some of those skills. Make sure that you're you know using um, their blueprint really to help inform your own LinkedIn profile. Honestly, it's so addictive. It's brilliant. I I would also, to add to that, say when you're on your placement, if you've managed to get your um, LinkedIn set up and at a level that you're happy with, um, near the end of the year, or even just at a point where you feel comfortable and confident, like ask your team if they can reinforce your skills or what they call it endorsing endorse your skills 
or if they can you know give you a recommendation they might do that off of their own back but it's mm. always worth having those conversations to really mm. strengthen your profile and it is a virtual cv and i yes. do think it's potentially what we're going to start moving to over cvs well they say it's your cv that never sleeps yeah Bit exactly cheesy, everyone but... can see it yeah it's... and it's that's what you want you want everyone to be able to see it so that you're constantly marketing yourself i guess in a way yeah um, but I completely agree with that. And I've also written down Reading alumni because I'm going to follow them after. That's <laughs> brilliant. Um, so I think, oh, the last question that I had actually, that mm. I thought of when you were talking about the STEM subjects mm. and also psychology placements, yeah. how would you expect, uh, what, what subjects would you expect to be paid versus not paid? What should a student expect? Okay, so I think it's a really difficult one because you could be a psychologist and be paid for your placement. So it's about the sector you move into. Mm -hmm. So if you're going into a sort of charitable sector, say you're a biological sciences student and you're going into doing sort of a research-based role or zoology or animal science, you know, with the APD, um, you know, quite often those placements are likely to be low paid or unpaid. and, And actually that's quite traditional. It might not necessarily feel right to you. Um, And we're trying to shift the balance on this. Um, We do have a bursary for Mm -hmm. students who have a household income of 45,000 or less. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're a home or an EU student, you can apply for this. Um, And basically, you can get up to £1,000 per academic year to support you. Of course, £1,000 for a whole year isn't much. You can also get your student loan during your placement year, but a reduced fee. A reduced fee, and only in some... exceptional circumstances if you're doing um sort of unpaid service okay so it's really difficult i will say um you really have to go in with your eyes wide open because if you can't finish your placement because of your financial situation Mm -hmm. and we don't want you incurring debt either yes you'll be rich in terms of the knowledge you develop and experience but becoming more in debt is very stressful yeah and I would heavily advocate that you speak to student finance team if you are considering doing an unpaid placement. So would you th- suggest then maybe looking at the placements around your area? Maybe yeah, that closer commutable? to home. Yeah. Um, if you're going to do an unpaid placement because of the nature of the work, I definitely think if you've you can live closer to home if you if, if you've got the means to do that yeah. and the support network around you mm-hmm. that might be a sensible solution but it sounds like the university offer a place where you can kind of go and they can give you that initial advice oh yeah definitely is this going to be feasible for you or maybe yes. should you look yeah we do we've got placement coordinators um so it's really important look on student essentials under the career section and we have the list of all our lovely placement coordinators who are there they're highly trained very experienced in supporting students whatever type of placements Mm -hmm. they're considering going into and we can really help with all the different levels that you're you need to think about location um you know finance all those sorts of things okay so basically there's an option for all students yeah. to really investigate that and yeah. look into it and just get the information that they need before they even start looking for absolutely one okay so i want to kind of give an overview of my placement experience and i think that that will lead to some interesting questions that i have for em to ask answer me about how maybe somebody else in a similar position could do something different or advice that she could give to that so i uh worked at hp which was formerly known as Hewlett-Packard, you might know them for selling printers and computers, 
Um, and I worked as a communications intern for Amir, which is Europe, Middle East and Africa. Um, and my role essentially was aiding the communications team by producing internal newsletters, working alongside the media um, as it was PR or communications. Um, I was lucky enough to attend some quite cool launch events and also I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn as I worked on a what we call a corporate profile for the MD of UAE. So I uh, produced content for him to basically make sure that he, his engagement was at an optimum level and I was able to actually build it up over the year. Um, I also had the opportunity within my role to get involved with charity as HP uh, were associated with a charity called the Prince's Trust um, and we were set a target to raise £20,000. So we had to do all sorts to do that. I was running through mud. <laughs> I was packing bags. I was standing outside uh, football stadiums with those like jingly things oh. you have to collect money in. Um, and there was also a big cohort of interns. So there was 26 of us that had to try and do that. Um, I also had a counterpart intern on my team as well. So there was two of us within a communications team. And I would say that's a kind of shortened version of my placement but I'd say the best things that I gained from that was I gained a lot of confidence especially I'm already I'd say quite a good communicator I talk a lot <laughs> um, but I definitely gained communication skills in terms of like making sure that I was concise with what I was saying I feel like it made me a little bit more corporate I guess and develop my networking skills um especially my manager at the end of it called it soft skills she said that it helped to develop my soft skills in terms of um i guess the tools that you mm. need in a workplace mm. to kind of get the stuff done and mm. just kind of really find your feet mm. um i was able to apply some of the skills that i learned in my degree i think initially i was a bit worried about this because i thought oh my god i've not got very good memory how am i gonna uh, apply like this module and this module and this module but what I think this can probably be said universally across mm. courses, you'll do it naturally yeah. and you'll do it in ways that, in a, in a way, it's more useful because they're going to be more repeatable in the yeah, workplace. Absolutely. Um, it's all well and good writing an essay, but those kind of core skills and core things you learn about, you'll just naturally apply. Yeah. So that was really good. Um, I had some really insightful opportunities, like I mentioned the product launches and um, different events, like um, there's something called the Tech Talent Charter, which was really cool, it was in the Gherkin. Oh. And I, got, I, got to, I had to wake up very early, but I got to work there and it was about um, supporting like women in tech. Yeah. So that was really cool to work with a company that like had that ethos where mm. they were trying to support women and everything like that and work towards diversity and increasing that. So I was really lucky to do that. Um, so though I'd say they were like kind of the main, I had loads of benefits, but they were like the main ones I think that kind of stuck out to me. Um, but also I think my placement experience for me is quite interesting because there were some challenges that I had to overcome over the course. It was 13 mm. months long. Mm. So it was um, quite a long time. A lot of things happened, which I had to kind of grow from them and stuff. So I wanted to talk through those with you. Yes, yes. Um, I guess the first thing was that as uh, I had a counterpart intern, as I mentioned, mm. um, it meant that we got to work collaboratively yeah. on certain things, which was great. But it also meant that it was it was quite difficult to stand out as yes. one. Yeah. So one thing that I wondered what your advice was is how to, to get recognition in that situation or just generally as there were 26 other interns yeah. and there was prizes like... Um, 
in ten of the quarter yeah. and things like that. So it's like if you really want to get that, what's your best advice on showing and yeah. standing out? Okay, so I think it's knowing who you are and looking at what your unique selling point is. We all hear this word USP in business and, and all sorts of places and actually you know, you've got to think about your brand, your professional brand, you as a person, what you bring um, to the organisation. Um, that could be a variety of ways. So it does fall down to um, your place. So, for example, if you are a shaper or a leader or a, or anything, really, you don't have to be the one that's shouting the loudest all the time about your great ideas. Yeah. You can be the person who brings things together. You're the glue of the team, mm -hmm. you know. You could be community spirited and I think it's making sure that you're regularly reminding um, your line manager of your accomplishments mm -hmm. um, in a really sort of genuine way mm -hmm. um, but also making sure that you're you know, representing the team at the same time but yeah there's no harm in blowing your own trumpet yeah. I think it's so important to remind people of the things that you can do and what you can bring. I think that's really interesting because I know that personally I found when I was in that big group and we'd have big group meetings, I wasn't necessarily the loudest. Yeah. Because it was quite scary when yes. you've got all these different personalities around you. Yeah. You just end up kind of going in on yourself. Yeah, you do. But that leads quite well to our next point, how you said about the line manager. So as I had an EMEA team, yeah. um, they were quite... Um, they were placed, they were distributed quite widely. Yes. But then also, I had a line manager, but it was actually very, like, dotted in terms of... I couldn't really tell you who my set manager was. I had mm. a daily supervisor. I had someone who was in the beginning as my supervisor. I had different people that I would send different reports to. My line manager was kind of the top dog of the Amir team. Mm. So not only was there that, but also the team was not was never fixed. It was, we would always hop desk. I never had a permanent desk. Yeah. Um, and the team would be, you know, you I might see them once a week. Yeah. I might see them twice a week. There wasn't an awful lot of communication face to face. Yeah. Um, which meant that it was hard to build rapport and really feel comfortable at times yeah. because you never felt like you were you'd get so far yeah. and then you might kind of take a step back you might not see them yeah. for a while yeah. you might not work with yeah. them and what would your advice be on that in terms of making the Ooh. most of that so I would say that sounds to me very much like the modern way of working so yeah. it's the matrix kind of way of working where you've got lots of different kind of leadership and peers mm -hmm. and in it's an interesting structure but it's becoming more and more common now um, in business in particular my advice if you've got a structure like that that can feel a little unsettling if you're used to hierarchies mm -hmm. at university it can be you know like that really in terms of you've got your you know um, academic tutors and, and specific tutors and you've got this kind of um, you follow the rules yeah um, mostly yeah. <laughs> but um, in terms of that I'd find your hive yeah so find people that you work well with mm -hmm. that you relate to and keep them close to you okay. but be very clear with working out what the hierarchy really looks like okay so that could mean sitting down with your HR department and just asking them to be really clear mm -hmm. with lines of responsibility and where those lines are blurred what the expectations are right and you might need to sort of reassess that on a regular level but make sure that you're checking in with someone almost pastorally on a yeah. weekly level okay because it can be stressful and that can affect your mental well-being and, yeah. and your stress levels if you've got all this unclarity and uncertainty I had I did have a few moments within my team where 
minus obviously my peer who I was lucky enough to be like very good friends with I didn't really know who to turn to pastorally Mm. I guess and there were certain times where I didn't know whether to turn to the person who run the internship scheme Mm. or whether that was a bit too far or Mm. certain things um which I'll go on to the next point but I was lucky enough that Mm. um the structure of the placement meant that we had um an internal mentor within our team Um, And then we had an external mentor within the company, and that would be someone who's not in the same department as you. So I had a guy called James who worked in kind of the sales um, of like commercial things, completely different to me. Mm. But not only did that mean I had the opportunity to learn about something different, but also he was he wasn't that much older than me but he was a really good kind of soundboard giving yeah. strong advice he'd yeah. been there not that long ago yeah. and if you have the opportunity even if it's not necessarily a structure if you have the opportunity to reach out to someone yeah. that maybe you've had a coffee with and you yeah. got on well with just send them a message because yeah. they're probably more than likely to be open to talk to you about well that's peer support isn't it yeah that's it what it's about yeah. and we've got schemes that you can look into that internally before you even go so you've got thrive mm-hmm. where you can get a career mentor to help you before you your placement at, well you can use your uh if you have a thrive so second year is the time that you can secure a career mentor so it could be an alumni of the university of reading mm-hmm. Um, who's done your course before or it could be uh, one of our sort of well-known provide you know partners and yeah. partners and you can use them as a sounding board but if you look at peer support it's so valuable because mm-hmm. you know somebody you know you build a relationship might be like-minded yeah and can help you obviously keep it as professional as you can mm-hmm. anything that feels a bit sticky or hr related you know try and make sure that you are you know speaking to the right people but there's yeah. no harm in you know just using people as a sounding board professional ideas and and, you know that's really healthy he really helped certain things that i would uh so i had pdrs every week i can't remember what they sound professional development reviews yeah so there was there was sometimes i'll be honest there were sometimes where things would come up in them where they i think everyone has that where they would say oh maybe you could do this or you could do this or you notice this and sometimes i would feel quite frustrated and think i don't know Mm. i didn't think i was doing this or i don't know how to like proceed yes and I would go and speak to him about it and he would just be he would be such a good help in that and it it was relaxing for me to know and like I was comforted to know that that wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna go and tell my team everything I said it was confidential Um, whereas if I maybe gone to someone in my team they you know they're they're a team so they might have like conversed about that so that was a bit more nerve-wracking yeah yeah um something that I wanted to talk to which was I guess a HR issue I wasn't sure whether to reach out um, I moved to London for my role mm. um, as it was uh, when I signed the contract it was it was in London yes um, as the year went on we would then do one day in Bracknell four days in London one day in Bracknell and that meant commuting but it was okay because it was one day they'd expense my train fare that was yes. fine um, I started in July and by December they actually informed us they sat us down and they said um, the, the Wood Street office in London mm-hmm. has become overpopulated <gasps> and you're going to have to come to Bracknell more often Mm. and this was really difficult for me because Mm. it went from um being in London four days a week um to being in Bracknell I think it was three days a week Mm. um which doesn't sound too much but it was difficult because it was about two hour commute each way and I'd moved to London I was paying rent in London Mm. and I really didn't know what to do in that situation I had to learn to be resilient I had a week where I was a bit like this is so annoying and then I just thought right it's not going to change. 
just get used to it and yeah. eventually we were allowed to work from home but I just wonder what your advice would be in that situation well it sounds to me like you handled it really well because it Thanks. is it, yeah no absolutely because you know it, you are entering the world of work where anything is possible obviously your contract stipulates one thing and I'm not an employment lawyer so I can't no. really advise on contracts but I think it's per you're perfectly within your rights to speak to your HR department if yeah. anything changes within your contract including your location to have a discussion to see what is reasonable mm-hmm. also what's reasonable for them to help you with in terms of cost to you that you wouldn't have incurred otherwise and that is really vital now you said you know you might have incurred some travel expenses yeah but also still, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have moved to London had yeah, I known it was exactly going to be in exactly that and we do have that happening on occasion mm-hmm. and I would always say the first place to start is your HR department if you feel you're not getting anywhere and you're mm-hmm. not happy I think it's reasonable to say if it's really going to be a complex situation for you to resolve you might want to come and talk to your placement coordinator or okay. indeed the welfare team at the university get outside advice get outside advice on how you could manage the situation it's a contractual one mm-hmm. so really that discussion needs to start with a HR team okay. you can speak to your HR team in confidence outside of your line management as well so mm-hmm. do remember that um, so yeah I think you've always got to think about what's practical reasonable yeah. and you know have a, an open discussion okay I mean, I knew ultimately that I was going to come out of it and I was going to be a bit more like, OK, if that would happen again, it wouldn't be the end of the world. No. I think at the time it just felt like the rug had been pulled a little of bit. It um, but yeah, that's really helpful to know. I think if I was to happen that again, I would I wouldn't think to reach out to HR. Mm. Um, but that's really interesting. Mm. So I guess my last kind of question from my experience is there were definitely a lot of positives in my experience and I learned so much. Yeah. But also there were some challenges and let's say hypothetically if it was worse what would your advice be if someone came up their placement and said I just really didn't enjoy that or that really wasn't for me and now I've realized that's not where I want to go into I feel like I've wasted my time maybe not that strong because I think that's about (laughs) perspective but do you know what I mean what would what would your advice be to that I would say that Okay, so there's two things you could look at. So say you were feeling like that during your placement and you really felt it was insurmountable and you didn't want to continue because you were very deeply unhappy. Please come and talk to the university. You can talk to your placement tutor or you can talk to your placement coordinator or the welfare team because mm-hmm. the one thing we don't want to happen is for you to suffer through feeling under pressure to do something that you're really not enjoying mm-hmm. because you're not going to get the best out of the experience. If you do make it through to the end and <laughs> feel that way, then you can never take away the experience that you've had. So look at all the things that you can carry forward Mm -hmm. outside of the context of maybe the things you don't enjoy as much. So say you've gone into an environment where you thought you were going to do more marketing and you ended up doing more admin. Uh Think about all the plus points. So you've probably learned more about Excel than you ever knew you'd ever learn. And Mm -hmm. actually, that's a skill that everybody needs today. Customer service, um, how to engage in sort of meetings, Mm -hmm. running meetings, project management. Pick all the things out. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, you're not going to waste time 
looking for an, a job in that sector when you graduate you're you're going to eliminate it's a process of elimination right. so, so you can take that one off the list exactly in a way. Yeah. and nobody knows but you how you feel mm-hmm. so when you go into the next interview for your graduate job for example you don't have to say well I didn't enjoy it mm-hmm. you could say these this is what I gained it wasn't the career for me mm-hmm. but this is what I gained and mm-hmm. be positive and really I feel like if you demonstrate that as well yes. yeah then they might already know if, if you've gone into a job that's accounting and yes. your experience is marketing they might already be able to pick up that maybe yeah. you decided not that that wasn't your route but I think that they'll be more impressed maybe by your interpretation yeah. Yeah. of it and if absolutely you can and that. I think positivity is always key because I think yeah I'm not saying be Pollyanna and constantly positive yeah but I think there's a way to be really sort of mature about experience well. and yeah absolutely that yeah, yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. So I thought we'd kind of do some general Q&A questions, mm. some of the ones that have come up from Instagram. Oh, yes, yeah. Because yeah. um, our followers are very interactive these days. It was lovely to see those. I felt really wanted. It was really <laughs> um, so the first one, um, which also I thought would be a good question yeah. to pose, is about international placements. Mm. Um so what? how hard is it to work overseas? Is it possible? Yeah. What's the process like? What's kind of your advice on that? So many of our students do go abroad for their um, placement year or Mm -hmm. indeed for shorter placements. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say we do get a lot of organisations coming to the University of Reading offering opportunities. Um, If you're going to Europe, for example, for a placement, we get plenty of students going there that, you know, they have a salary to go Mm -hmm. and do their placement overseas. You can also do it as part of Erasmus Plus presently. Mm -hmm. I mean, things may change there in the future, but at the moment that's a possibility and get some extra funding. Mm -hmm. Um, You we've also got a really good resource called Going Global and that's wonderful because it you can choose your sort of um, area that you're interested in and look at some of the key opportunities and vacancies within those countries. Mm-hmm. You might be a home student, an EU student or an international student just wanting to spread your wings so you certainly get lots of support to point you in the right direction. Yeah, um, like the only limitation you've potentially got are visa restrictions. Okay. So those are things that our um, adv- international advisory team can help with. So there may be countries particularly America and Canada Mm -hmm. that you need a specific visa for to work and obviously the employer has to sponsor you Um, you can't you don't have the automatic rights to work in those countries so we often you know work um, with organizations and some agencies um, where you know they can pull everything together for you and give you the right advice so if you're considering somewhere that's further than Europe it's it's worth really having that discussion to start off with looking what's feasible it's you know but not also thinking I can't do this Mm -hmm. everything is possible it's just making sure that you know you've got the right tools for it really um okay so another question that we had was do a levels matter when applying for placements so it can in some section sectors sorry um so for example finance and accountancy they sometimes do look at your a level scores because 
it's important that you achieved a certain tariff mm-hmm. in order to access their way of working. Um, I think a lot of companies are dropping this now. So the big four used to certainly um, look at that. I think it's rare now. I think they're more likely to look at what you are on for in terms of your degree classification. Mm-hmm. So some organisations will stipulate they want you to be on for a 2-1. Um, and that, again, is because of the, the attainment and the expected level of working. But I think a lot of recruiters now are being more diverse-minded. You know, they're more interested in the actual talent, the competencies, and and the actual tests that they do. Yeah. Um, So, you know, psychometric tests. Um, you'll have um, all sorts of different tests that will screen you that don't rely on your prior education Mm -hmm. and I think that's the way that recruitment is heading and has been for some time. I think as well work experience to any degree um, is probably equally as valuable Mm. not maybe slightly more in some instances than A-levels. I know that when I kind of asked a bit cheeky but I said like why did you hire me <laughs> and they did mention like my work experience and stuff and I don't think yes. you necessarily have to have a really extensive no, range no. but even you might think having a part-time job in your local um post office or whatever isn't is going to be not not add much value to your CV but I think it's the transferable skills that they're really looking for that definitely you so if you've done the red award or if you've done um volunteering yeah if you've been on a, in a club or society any of those things really add value to mm-hmm. your CV and your confidence. It gives you more to say than I'm studying law or I'm studying, yeah. um, you know, specific degree subject. It gives you more context to questions you're asked about your strengths. And the thing I think a lot of students really struggle with is the question that everybody gets asked to interview. Tell me about yourself. Yeah, okay, because you want to be unique. Yeah. You don't want to sound too generic. No. And even on your cover letter, actually, I was involved in uh, little bits of the recruitment process for our next interns. And I got to read the cover letters and the CVs and also got to watch my supervisors do it and see what their approach was. And I think we really wanted to get to know people through their cover letters Mm. and, and like, the ones that sounded the most unique but not too showy or not Mm. too... It's like... You didn't. You. I didn't realize it's. It's easy to overdo it. Yeah, it really is. And then they'll just go. They'll pick it up. Or they'll go. No, put it in the no <laughs> pile. And you're like, oh, savage. But you know, yeah. it's they fine balance, isn't yeah. it? It's a real fine balance. I've heard actually, um, recruitment consultants say that your cover letter is a love letter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you basically want to convince yeah. the um, organisation that you're the right fit, but don't go over the top because it's it just puts people right off yeah. you need to be using evidence evidence of why you have you're suitable don't just say you know what you're what they're expecting you to say say mm-hmm. a bit more so tell them why you have the skills that you have give some examples mm-hmm. um you've probably all aware of the star technique so for competency-based um in, uh, in interviews questions you know they want to know that you're competent in the areas they really want mm-hmm. you to be good at. So you need to give evidence for why you are you know, able to follow through with those mm-hmm. um, specifics. So yeah, I think it's really, really important to think before um, you write those letters about what kind of example sets you aside. Okay, so our final question, I think we've already touched on it, um, is does university help when applying for placements outside of the Reading 
slash London area. Of course we do. <laughs> I think, I mean, it, you know, the majority of our students will be doing their placements outside of the southeast, mm-hmm. um, and we support with everything. Um, I mean, the thing is, we often talk about locations. So many Reading students aren't from the area mm-hmm. and they may wish to be closer to home to do their placements for economical reasons but also to be close to family mm-hmm. and, and 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 relatives and um, you know the support base um, and I think the world is your oyster and we have placement providers and employers all over the world all over the UK and nationally um, and of course we support you um, really to achieve your goals and ambitions wherever that might be. So it's really not there's no limit in no. terms of it's more more so being motivated to really think about what you want to do mm. and then using the resources to answer those major questions that you might have in terms of support and whether yes. it's feasible or not exactly and i think it's really important if you decide geographically you are locked down to a specific area you're going to have to restrict your search Mm -hmm. and that might limit your options Mm -hmm. so but you have to think really carefully because location is just as important um as as the sector you're interested in in many respects Mm -hmm. i mean for example although i'm placement manager for the university i also look after food nutritional science students um and they're sort of the the specific area i'm responsible for um as a subject and um a lot of those vacancies are Midlands because that's where a lot of our food companies are so yeah and it's really really interesting because if the student doesn't want to work in the Midlands yeah so you've got to keep an open mind to an extent but to be fair I mean there are plenty of food organisations all over the world yeah but we just notice there's an awful lot in the the Midlands so it's really really interesting oh okay so I think that's probably about all we've got time for today. We've covered quite a lot, I think. Yeah. Um, but if you have any more questions, and if you're listening to this, you've got any kind of burning questions that we haven't covered, feel free to either leave them in the comments or message Campus Jobs, and I'm sure we can get round to answering those for you as well. But thank you so much, Em, for joining oh, us today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been you've great. You've given some really, really useful advice that I'll probably even be watching listening to this back and being like oh she said that um but yeah no thank you so much for joining and i think caitlin is going to be on the next podcast which is about making the most of your uh degree as she was talking to a phd student chris who actually also works with us um so yeah tune in for that but hopefully you've enjoyed this and please leave any feedback below Yay.